listening to Helping Those with DID, a podcast of Lydia Discipleship Ministries. Thanks for your desire to gain more understanding of how to best help those with dissociative issues. You can visit our website for resources at www.lydiadm.org. And now over to Elaine. Hi there, Elaine here again. Thanks for joining us. We were talking just a bit ago about the topic we called the bride in combat boots, having to do with spiritual warfare. And it's kind of a big topic, so we're going to spend another time on it, just sort of zeroing in on one question. And that's that some people believe that if you are a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, that Satan or demonic forces cannot enter your life because the Holy Spirit and a wicked spirit cannot live in the same place. It's sort of like what I call the Tupperware approach. When it says that we're sealed by the Holy Spirit, some people feel that that means it will keep out, he will keep out any other forces in our life. But that's not really what that means. Remember back in Bible times or the Roman Empire when someone had a, a, maybe Caesar was sending a letter to someone. He would put wax on it, drip wax on it once it was closed and put his seal on it. Their rings were their seal. So he would push his ring down into the melting wax and that would mean that this was Caesar's. It had his seal on it. It had his identifier on it. And so people shouldn't break it open or mess with it because it was sealed. That's the concept of being sealed by the Holy Spirit. Where It has to do with ownership. Just like the signet ring from Caesar showed, this belongs to Caesar. It says in scripture that the Holy Spirit was given to us as a seal of our inheritance. So in other words, God's identifying imprint is on our life, and that's in the person of the Holy Spirit. So I hope that kind of clears up some of the misunderstanding of being sealed. Um, I'd like to look at some things in Scripture where Paul and Peter and others who wrote Scripture are talking about the truth that someone who's a Christian could be oppressed by Satan. Remember we used that word in our first podcast about the bride in combat boots. Not possession, but Satan can't possess us because we belong to Christ. But he can oppress us. Do you remember that verse that says, be sure not to give Satan an opportunity? The word opportunity is a military type deal that means ground to stand on. Like if there's a battle and the enemy surges forward and gains new ground. What it's talking about there is that when we give Satan an opportunity, he can affect us. Now it doesn't mean every time we sin or overeat or don't follow the Lord's uh, direction where we disobey something. It doesn't mean every time that happens, the wicked spirits come in, comes inside of us. But more truthfully, it's the idea that if we give Satan a little piece of ground 
by doing something. And then the next time we come to that decision, we still choose to sin. We give him a little more ground. I don't know how much ground it takes for Satan to be able to um, oppress us from within. I guess only the Lord knows that. But the more ground we give, especially in like a repeated pattern, like if someone watches porn, and then they watch porn, and then they watch porn over and over again, chances are that the enemy would take advantage of that and put a resident wicked spirit in that person's life. Um, we'll probably talk in another podcast about how do you get rid of a wicked spirit if he's oppressing someone you know or yourself. So stay tuned for that. But I think that um, that might help us understand how Satan gains access within us. He's always pestering us from the outside. Temptations of, of fear and thoughts traveling through our mind and uh, so many different things from the outside. But we're talking here about giving the enemy so much ground that a stronghold from the enemy is developed in our life. So let's just take a look at some of the verses that have to do with the fact that Satan in Scripture is talked about in terms of being actively involved in a Christian's life. Uh, Timothy, as Paul was writing to him, he had talked quite a bit about uh, two particular men who were engaged in some sort of wickedness, and he was talking about them following, having turned aside to follow Satan. Now, these were quote-unquote church people that Timothy was ministering to. Timothy was in Ephesus. That's the place that he mostly, well, not mostly, but he was in charge of the work in Ephesus. But these two individuals had turned aside to follow Satan. And even Paul experienced it in the First Thessalonians. There's a verse that talks about how Paul wanted to come to them, visit them on the way to tra as he traveled to Spain. But then he says, Satan thwarted me. And I'm not suggesting that there was a demon inside of Paul, but what I'm saying is the level of opposition that he experienced was such that he hadn't gotten there yet. His plans kept being thwarted. And also the, the time that Paul talks about the thorn in the flesh that he had, it says that he received a messenger of Satan, that the thorn was like a messenger of Satan. And uh, in Acts, remember those two people that, that got really caught up in trying to show off? Uh, Barnabas had sold some land and given the money to those in need. And Ananias and Sapphira decided, well, hey, you know, if we do that, then we're, we'll be at the top of the list for people to praise us and to tell us we've done a good job. But the only problem was they lied about how much money they had gotten and how much then from that that they gave. And it says that they were told that Satan had filled their heart. And these were people, two people in the church. Um, but... 
obviously Satan had gotten some inroad in their life, whether it was through greed or lying or I don't know what, that they were really impacted by Satan. And of course, Judas, it's a sort of a toss-up. People have said, well, was Judas a true believer or not? You know, I won't weigh in on that, but it said that Satan entered him. And for me, there's a really important uh, passage. It's in Luke 13, 16. And it's about this lady who had some kind of physical ailment. She was bent over, whether she had scoliosis or what we would say was scoliosis if we defined it as a physical issue or whatever. But she was bent over, and um, when the disciples came to her, um, they talked to Christ about her, and Christ said, he uses the phrase calling the woman a daughter of Abraham, and he says who Satan has afflicted. So it was apparently not a physical thing, but Satan had afflicted her, and he heals her. But that phrase daughter of Abraham was sort of a code word in the Old Testament for a person of faith. Um, if you were a daughter or a son of Abraham, that phrase indicated that you were a believer in, the, uh, in God and in the upcoming Messiah. So to me, that's an important thing because she was a believer. And the enemy, Satan, had afflicted her so much that she had this major physical problem. Remember when Peter got in trouble because he, in his kindness probably, or concern for Christ, when, when Christ starts to tell about the fact that he's going to Jerusalem, he'll be uh, arrested and crucified and, and rise again, Peter just gets caught up in the idea of trying to, um, trying to keep that from happening. He's, that's where he says, you know, well, heaven forbid, Lord, that that should happen to you. And Christ turns around and says to him, get behind me, Satan. In other words, Satan had so affected Peter's thinking that he looks him in, Jesus looks him in the face and says, get behind me, Satan. Uh, let's see if we can think of just a couple other scriptures that have to do with that. Um, If we, if we think of that verse in James where the Lord says, resist the devil and he will flee, then must be, if we don't risk, then don't resist, then he won't flee. <laughs> uh, there's some kind of special word that meant, that's not syllogism, but I don't know, I can't remember what kind of uh, construction that is, but um, our admonition to resist the enemy is based on the fact that he's going to try to influence us in major ways. He looks for opportunities. He looks for weakness. He looks for vulnerabilities. And I think if we think it through, it really makes sense that the percep perception that Satan cannot affect someone if they're a believer uh, there's more verses that we haven't gone over. I think that there's lots of evidence in Scripture 
that that really isn't the case. So let's think it through, review it in our own mind, and then next time perhaps we can take up the topic and say a little bit more on it. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye for now. You can visit our website for resources at www.lydiadm.org.